Well, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Well, um, this is um, a chance for us to kind of get to know them and hear from them um, a little more personally, hopefully. Um, I don't know if we're going to have time to open it up for questions because I've got several pages here just of things that I want to know. Uh, but if, <laughs> if, if I don't ask something and you feel like we need, you need to know it as well, uh, we'll see if maybe we can um, save some time for that. But uh, I want to know um, at least this most recent trip, the trip you're on now to the United States. How long have you been in the States for, for this time? Oh, I came on the February 1. Okay, so since February, and you're going back to Ukraine very soon. On the 20th, four, this four month. So it'll be four months. So you'll have been here four months. So this is not a traditional furlough for you guys. No. This was primarily for your yeah, citizenship. Yeah, this is more to make paperwork because it was already, I, there are time frame once you got a green card in Ukraine, there is a half a year you need to enter the States. So I enter almost at the very end. <laughs> very last day. Now, why did you want to become an American citizen? Okay, this is a good question. I actually never was uh, planning or wanting to become an American citizen, even though I really loved my wife. And uh, so I wasn't really opposed to the culture. I have a hobby to learn different cultures, so I love all the cultures. Um, but uh, for ministry, the status that we had before, I was Ukrainian, she is American, it was working great. So we were serving the God and that's what, what I wanted to do. And then in 2014, the political things came up in Ukraine with Russia and in US with migration. So they stopped giving me tourist visa. And it was no way for me to visit uh, my relatives, my wife's relatives, or visit partners, churches. So then we thought we should do citizenship. And right at that time we heard that there is expedited process for that. Because we really didn't want to live five years and be out of ministry overseas. So it was working very well, expedited process. We just decided to apply. We thought this is probably God's time. And we did it. Now, before this time, you had uh, been in the States as recently as, was it about a year ago or a little over a year ago? Was that more of a traditional furlough for you guys? And it, and it yes, was, it was visiting churches. We want to say more. We came in 2018, and we visited all of our partners. So that's what we did for six months. Now, I know your, your children um, are very attached to what you guys do in Ukraine. Um, in fact, this morning I asked, uh, so I've gotten to know Skyla and Vika uh, a fair amount through their involvement in the youth ministry over the last few months, and then even last year when you guys were here. And I knew that I knew that you all were returning uh, pretty soon. And um, Skyla had it down to like the second. Skyla, how how where are you at now? How far do you? How long until you go back to Ukraine? <laughs> she knows the seconds, not just days. That's right. Eleven days. It was like eleven days, twenty hours. 
Okay. <laughs> ten days though. <laughs> Less than ten full days. Um, now, I'm trying to remember the time, the timing of some of this, but you, um, Vika had some health um, concerns, I guess. Uh, how, how is she doing? How, how is everything with that? She's doing great. When we were here last year, she uh, developed this little soft spot on her collarbone, and so I showed it to a pediatrician, and he just kind of felt it. And I just wanted to know if it could wait until we get to Ukraine, because our health care is much cheaper there. And so he said, yeah, you can wait. And then, um, well, we went back, and then we waited and waited, because <laughs> we were so busy with our apartment and everything like that, and then we kind of waited too much. So it ended up being really big, and we took over for... She ended up going for surgery, and we had it removed, and it was just some normal thing that um, happens with a hair follicle, and, and, and you, it just has to be removed surgically. There's no other way for it to get out, so that's what it was. It was weird, but that was really stressful. Interesting. Now, we saw in the video you all are, are missionaries uh, under Titus International. Do you have any good Fred Bennett stories for us? <laughs> Yeah, they told us about Ukrainian babushkas, grandmas, grannies, how they in 90s were taking New Testaments. And you have to guard because they are just fighting, taking for all their family members. And, and there are no way to, to hold, like not to give them. You just have to give or you will die as a missionary. <laughs> so facing a Soviet babushka, you have to decide who you are <laughs> and are you going to stand your ground. So Fred has had a lot of experience with setting the boundaries, but, you know, it still doesn't work. <laughs> it's pretty funny. If I understood you correctly before you sang, you said something about a 41st anniversary. 41 years old? Yeah. Okay. 41, 41 years old. Yeah. And you were born in Ukraine. Yes. And tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Um, by your parents, you have siblings. Okay, well, I was born during communism time in 1978, and um, I had older brother and younger sister. So first, my brother, I never heard about God before I, uh, until 13. So, um, okay, I just, I just have different versions of saying that, like 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 30 minutes, and I'm just scanning through. I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> okay, I just try to be sure. Anyway, um, my brother, he, I never heard about God until my brother went to the army. And my father was drinking very heavily every day, very drunk. My mother was every day fighting with alcoholism, but not successfully. Then my brother came from the army and he started to, to preach to us and to witness. And I was surprised because he was talking good stuff about being good people, being with God, God loves us. But my mother was so against. And I just thought, why are you against? Because you don't want him to be alcoholic. You don't want him to be like, a, to steal things and be a nice person. But Bible is talking about that. And she was very against. And here was two her reasons why against. 
because you can't steal anymore. And at that time, it was very economic crisis in Ukraine. If you are working, you are never get paid unless you are stealing things. So the, the um, director of the factory was controlling over stealing, but not stealing. They were letting people steal, otherwise, and they're calling it uh, social stealing or approved stealing, kind of, which is still stealing. Another reason she had wedding without alcohol. How are we going to survive it? <laughs> Nobody will come to your wedding. My son, I just want people to come. Please don't do that to us. And I was very surprised because I thought mother was fighting against alcohol. Father is drinking heavily. And she is afraid that wedding without alcohol. Then I just thought, okay, I need to find out what is that faith he is believing about. And then I start to dig more and eventually get saved. So, so your brother came to Christ when he was in the army? Yes. And then he, and then he led you to Christ? Yes. It was in 1994, and then I get saved two years later. Amen. Now, um, Anne, let's not just assume that everybody here knows your story as well. Um, tell us about your parents and your upbringing a little bit and how you came to faith in Christ. My mom and dad are over there, and me and Harry Ward, and they worked at Bob Jones University. That's where I was born. And then they lived in, when I was seven years old, we left there, and we lived in a travel trailer for four years, visiting churches, showing a film. Then when I was 11, we moved here, and when I was in the sixth grade. So I was here all through um, sixth grade through 12th grade. You attended Grace Academy? Yes. Uh, I grew up in church here, and... Um, that's how I went to college and then went to the mission field, and it was here that I became interested in missions. So. Now, after Vitaly, after you came to Christ, did you immediately want to pursue missions or ministry, or did you have other plans? Okay, this is the funny part, because it's about calling, about preaching. Everything started right that time. When I get saved, it, I was actually in jail at that time, uh, dealing with police problems. And then I, but I was serious when I get saved, and I went to the church as soon as, as I get out of there. And first night, I was asked, well, the people were praying for me for two years, but it was mostly grannies, and the preacher was coming from the other town. So the Grammy, she said, tonight there are no preacher. She was talking after morning service. So she says, you are the preacher for tonight. And I was surprised and I said, what do you mean I'm a preacher? You were how old? I was 17. So she just says, oh, you just, just preach, open the Bible and preach. And I just, what do you mean? I just know how to make drugs, you know, <laughs> or rob people, you know. And she says, oh, no, we were pray. listen to me, bro dear brother, we were praying for you for two years. Don't you think that God will not put in your heart what to tell to us now after we see that God is answering our prayers? Two years prayer. So sure he will put in your heart what to tell us. 
But if you don't know what to say, I will help you. I will give you expedited preaching course. Well, that's... So she wanted to preach. That's, that's how... I, yeah. So she just said, this is what you're going to do. Open the Bible, Psalm 1. Read through Psalm 1. And then if you have something to add, just say something. If you have nothing to say, just say, let's pray. <laughs> and I just thought, okay, I feel like I can, I can do that. Okay, I said, we can do that. So I went home and I read maybe 40 times Psalm 1 <laughs> to make sure I can read without any stumbling. <laughs> uh, and then uh, that night I was reading. I read Psalm 1. My hands were shaking. My voice was vibrating. My back was sweat. My knees were <laughs> all shaking. And then I just took a pause and I thought, okay, do I have something to say? No. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> so then we prayed. Everybody was coming, shaking my hand, greeting after, after service, and just saying, such a wonderful sermon. <laughs> wow, God sent us a new preacher. We were praying for you two years. In one way, I knew that it was nothing special. On the other hand, that night I was going home, and I just knew this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I, I, did, I was not able to say it like it's a calling at that time. I didn't know the word calling at that time. But now looking back, I just know it was a calling. God just, I just thought I'm going to preach, teach, and witness gospel with people. I just saw these people who wants to hear the God's word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, tell us, um, how did you guys meet? You want to start? I wanted to be a, a missionary for many, many years, <coughs> since I was about 15 or 16, and the Lord kept not letting me be a missionary, and then uh, one day I was, maybe I was, I don't even know how old I was, 24, maybe 25, and I read this email that um, I had tried. I had tried a million times to be a missionary. God just kept saying no. So I read this email that um, these people needed someone to teach English in, in Kiev at a Bible school. And I just knew from God, like, that was, that was what he wanted me to do. Uh, so that's what I did in about two years. I was able to get there and start teaching English in this Bible institute. And that's how I met Vitaly. So we met through that. He was learning English. Yeah. So I was, was learning your student. One of your students? Yes. The first year I taught, he was a student and then the he was a third he was a final year student and then he started teaching the next year. She was learning English, I was learning Ru no, no, opposite. <laughs> I was learning English, she was learning Russian. I was learning English because any question that I was asking my teachers about Bible they were referring to different American preachers, books, writers, MacArthur, Wildfield, other people. And I just thought, okay, I need to get to that library. <laughs> so I started to learn English. Well, he didn't just start to learn English. I mean, it was eight hours a day he studied English. I mean, he made himself this whole program, and he had a tutor. He, bought, he paid a tutor and studied for eight hours a day. 
He would go to any type of time he heard that there were Americans, he would go there and talk to them. And he, you can't just say, I'm going to learn a language and then, you know, think you can do it in an hour or two a week or something. I mean, he really devoted himself to that. And how long have you been married? We married since 2004. So, 15. 15. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. Time flies so fast. I just forgetting to switch numbers. <laughs> now, what are some factors, and we might be learning some just even here as we listen and talk, but what are some factors that go into an international marriage that others of us may not know? Well, there are a lot of things because it's just miscommunication, number one. <laughs> like today we, we had this party and, um, and she got cakes. And I thought she got cakes, that means she got spread for cakes as well. But she didn't get. So, <laughs> so then we figured it out in the car when it was too late to go back. <laughs> well, um, some funny things, like the first year we were married, we lived in his village, and we spoke mostly Russian together, uh, but when we argued, I spoke in English. <laughs> because that's one of the last layers of learning another language, is like being able to detail, like express your emotions. And then we have jokes from so, different language, like combined sentences. Yes, now... Start yeah, in Russian, end in English, or opposite. Yes, yes, as you live, like your life becomes that, like one word, one item, you will always say that in one language, because that's just the word, the item that you now associate with that language. Another, we then switched to English, and now we speak English as much as we can in our home because um, our children don't hear it anywhere else. I mean, they watch Russian TV, they have Russian friends, they have, it's everything Russian, Russian, Russian. Our school we do in English, but they, I realize, like, I'm it. I don't have the usual issues that American married couples have of getting language exposure, and they send their children to school to get language exposure. My children don't have those issues. We have opposite issues where I need them to have English exposure. And um, another thing about international marriage, we had, to make an, we had to make a rule early on when we would argue that you can't say, you just do that because you're American, or you just do that because you're Ukrainian. Like, that's the most inflammatory statement. <laughs> I know a million Americans who do not do that, but I do. You know? <laughs> so, you know, like, <laughs> like we, that was one of the rules that we had to learn uh, when we were forming our relationship, is that you deal with this person as a person and not lump them into all your assumptions of their culture. Another thing that helped in our international marriage, um, and not every person can do this, but it's really helpful if the person can interpret the culture for you. I would be like, okay, you know, when you are going as a missionary, they tell you to be humble and to learn all these things. And, you know, I was just, I hope I came across that way, but I wasn't. You know, like in my heart, I'm just like, why do they do that? <laughs> and, um, and I would say, and then Vitaly would just say, well, they do that because this and this and this and this. I mean, okay, so saving money. Americans, eh, you save money. Okay, well, in, you, in Ukraine, you buy something because it will not devalue. Your money will devalue, but, then, but, but if you get it, you buy something so that then if you have a crisis, you can sell that thing and have money. So it's like there's, because your, your, your thing inflates 
so astronomically. I mean, it was four grieven to the dollar 15, 17 years ago. Now it's 27 grieven to the dollar when I go. I mean, that much inflation in 17 years. And so um, it's just different factors like that. But it's, a lot of things are the same. You know, we respect each other. We don't, we don't use contempt or scorn when we speak to each other. We, uh, it, you, we grow in trusting each other. And, you know, just like a lot of it's the usual relational things. But there are, like, nuances where we... Um, One thing that I really like about international marriage, I think it helped me to become this um, uh, missionary open for all different cultures, not just Ukraine culture, but to be to mobilize other people from Ukraine, Ukrainian missionaries to all different countries or cultures. So I kind of like other cultures, all different cultures, not just Ukrainian culture. I would say, like, I don't know if this is partly being a missionary or if this is partly being in an international marriage, but it's hard to find friends um, because he identifies more with certain Ukrainian friends and I identify more with other American missionary friends. So, like, that is something, like, it's hard kind of to have mutual friends. It's just different that way, kind of on a long-term basis. And um, So... And communication in marriage is hard enough even when both couples are from the same culture and do speak primarily the same really? language. I didn't know that. Well, <laughs> now you know. Um, where, where did you, now did you study at a seminary level? Did you attend a seminary anywhere? Okay, I was, um, I started in Bible school in Ukraine that was started by Two graduates from two graduates from Bob Jones University, yeah. and then they started a Bible Institute, which is Bob Jones Satellite Institute, and they were invited different professors to come, and I got my bachelor degree in that school. That is the school where Anne was coming also to teach, but they were like they were doing all their Bob Jones standards to qualify for a bachelor degree. Then when we married, I applied to Tennessee Temple for master degree online. So I took some classes, but I never finished it. And uh, communication on distance became too hard, and we just almost did. So is that where you primarily studied um, and learned theology and preaching and, and other things? In As a bachelor degree uh, yeah. in Ukraine from Bob Jones, professors. Good. Yeah. Um, so we saw in the video you are one of the pastors at your home church in Ukraine. Yes. What, is, what What's the name of your church? Light of Life. Light of Life Church. Light of Life. Light yes. of Life. Very good. And uh, how many how many other pastors do you serve with? We have one pastor who was starting this church. I joined. He started in two thousand. I joined in 2006 as a preacher, and my goal was to help this church. This church was a very evangelistic church, because they were doing different outreaches, and we really liked that. And my goal was to help them to become missionary globally focused church, so they can start sending missionaries. 
So in 2008, I was ordained as one of the pastors. So we were two. And then last summer, when we went back to Ukraine, we ordained third pastor. So there are three pastors now together. Very good. Now, how often do you preach at your church? Okay, how often do I preach? It used to be in my best days, before I married, <laughs> I was preaching eight or eleven main services a day. <laughs> we were traveling from village to village and had outreach events like 30 minutes uh, services. No, I don't do that anymore. Here I preach like two or three Sundays as on main services. Two or three a day? Two or three a, a month. Okay. Yes. And then other events like on Havana, I can preach or a youth meeting during the week. Okay. It, it just depends how I'm, if I'm traveling for Samaritan's first ministry or doing other ministries also. So what's your preaching practice? Do you normally preach through books, books of the Bible? Okay, what I'm preaching about... Um, well, for last couple years, I was really, I, I usually preach what God is teaching me. So if he's teaching me about his sovereignty, I will be preaching about sovereignty. And I was going through the book of Romans. Uh, then he was teaching me about grace more. I was talking more about preaching about grace. And it's interesting because Ukraine is a culture that motivated mostly by fear and uh, shame. So when I started to preach about grace, people understand that we are saved by grace, we don't earn it or deserve it. But, and some even was thinking, why is he keep preaching about grace? But you know why I started to do that? When I'm, I also doing a street witnessing, often going outside to the streets and sharing the gospel. And at that time, God was kind of telling me, I mean, not God, but people, people's response was, it can't be free. Heaven, it can't be free. It can't be just for nothing. I need to do something. And, I, and it really drew my attention why people can't receive it as a free gift, salvation. And I was keep, that day, I remember, I was keep telling people, it's free, it's a gift, and they keep all resisting with all what they can do. And I just say, look, how much you're paying for sun or for air, the best things are free, and salvation is free. And they still say, oh, just pray for me that God will give me what I deserve. And I say, I'm not going to pray like that. <laughs> Um, so then I started to preach, and then I just thought, if it's that hard for people, let's see what's going on in the church. And I started to preach about grace and being, like it's hard for people to understand how can you discipline yourself by grace. They like to discipline themselves by law, by fear, by shame. But to be disciplined by grace is the best thing. So I was preaching about grace a lot, and then some people started to say, I hear Vitaly is preaching grace, 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 faith. And then I just realized it's grace. <laughs> it's faith. <laughs> Man, it's really big thing. So anyway, I'm, I'm preaching about, that's what I'm preaching about.
And what is your role in the church? What kinds of things do you do there? Um, I have a mom's group. We, uh, we have a lot of, when we arrived at the church, there, we were one of two married couples, us and another pastor who has since had to move. But in the intervening years, they all started, it, it was like a group of teenagers that all got saved. So they all started getting married, and now they're all having lots and lots of children. And so I have a group just to encourage the moms, because I love the moms group that I had at Grace and always wanted to be encouraged by that. And so I do that uh, there with them. And I, I like to cook food for events. So when we have, we have like um, their little celebrations or different evangelistic things, and I like to cook food for that. I, I don't know. I just try to be what I... Um, Okay, baby showers. So baby showers is like a huge thing in Ukraine. And especially in our church, it's like a ministry of the church is baby showers. And it's like a wedding designer is like the lady who decorates for it. I mean, they're like out of this world. You would not believe them. And they have lists of things, exactly everything to buy. And everybody brings their presents and they wrap them beautifully. And um, they make And it's it evangelistic outreach event also. <laughs> we always have a, a topic, a Bible topic during the baby shower and then um, we pray for the mom and so that's like something I try to invest myself in and not get tired of it because there's a million you have one wedding but you have like a billion baby showers after that um, so, <laughs> so I try not to get tired of that and keep it all going and I try to support people in their ministries a lot of people have they have their ministries and I'm just like yay you know do your ministry and not to give weight on their ministry because people, it's easy to criticize people who are doing something you're not doing. So I try not to do that and just um, encourage people who are burdened with other ministries. One of the other things we saw in the video uh, was the Operation Christmas Child material. You want to tell us about your role with that and then even how, because we've been involved in sending Operation Christmas Child boxes from here to other places before. But you're on the other side where where families are receiving those. So do you want to tell us about what happens um, when when families receive those boxes and what your role in that is? Yeah, on, on our display table, we put this time, the sign, like, other side of Operation Christmas Child. Because I don't know how many people know in the U.S. about discipleship program that Operation Christmas Child has. Uh, People are uh, receive, uh, collecting boxes in U.S., but for last several years, Operation Christmas Child started to put big emphasis on the discipleship program. And last year on the conference, it was big emphasis on unreached people groups, which really kind of close to my heart. <laughs> Uh, as a missionary mobilizer in Ukraine, I, I kind of really like that. So what is happening? Um, I am I'm serving as an as international field representative for Operation Christmas Child in, in Russian Eastern, Eastern Central Asia region, which means Ukraine and countries around Ukraine, uh, some countries like Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, um, Tajikistan, Azerbaijan. So there are like 11 countries around Ukraine and we, there is a group of international field representatives, like nine of us, 
and we go to these countries taking different turns and discipling national teams in these countries how to do outreach events when they are receiving shoe boxes, how to do all the logistics, how to train teachers so the children will receive the boxes but will be in, invited for uh, the greatest journey discipleship classes, which are 12 lessons every Sunday, three months. Children are invited to go through these discipleship classes. So we are training the national team and um, regional teams, and then that teams are teaching, training teachers, and we are observing that events and participating, helping if, if needed also. At the same time, I'm uh, coordinating to print all this literature for these countries where we are printing inside. Like Samaritan's Purse, they are printing in in uh, main country, like in Germany, and shipping everywhere where it's possible. But countries, religiously sensitive countries like Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Azerbaijan, they have religious laws that you are not allowed to import religious literature easily. So I'm managing in-country printing. And like in Kyrgyzstan, we are removing all the Samaritan's Purse logos from the books, training materials. So you just will see just regular book, but there are no airplane. There is a truck instead of airplane and uh, there are no logos. So when gifts are coming to the country, they're coming as humanitarian aid. And literature printed inside the country, the national government can't see the connection between discipleship program and the humanitarian gifts. It's like some church program, church choose and they are doing it. But in reality, it's a Samaritan's first very good program that is teaching children basic lessons about salvation, creation, salvation. So I'm involved in that process and we are um, having more emphasis now on rich and unreached people groups. Uh, like Tajikistan, is, it has less than 3% Christians. That means whole country is unreached. But in the rich country, there are also unreached people groups, like ethnic groups, that may speak their own language. According to Joshua Project website, you can go and see that information, how many people groups are unreached in different countries. And you can look at Ukraine. In Ukraine, there are 25 unreached people groups. Ukrainians are reached, but there are other nationalities in Ukraine that they don't have their own national church like uh, Tatars or other other different people groups that are coming from other countries. So anyway, we are helping these gifts to go to enriched people groups, extending the project in countries around Ukraine. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm glad you mentioned that and uh, helped us to understand because if you do any uh, reading or listening to most missions conversations now, you'll hear that term unreached. Um, and, and as Vitaly kind of described, it's not that nobody in the country understands the gospel. It's that there are people groups who 
don't have enough Christians or, or maybe a church in them to sustain ministry there. And so those are the people groups that you're trying to reach both in Ukraine, but as you said, yeah, in, our, in neighboring countries as yeah, well. Our goal is that each ethnic group deserves healthy church, yeah. national church, where pastor will be national, not just missionary. Yeah. Missionary is temporal process, but we want nationals. Right. And that's, that's kind of where the other part of your ministry, the Kairos ministry, yes. comes in. Because, again, as we saw in the video, that's where you are able to train others for ministry and send them out and mobilize them. So do you want to describe a little bit your role with Kairos and the teaching that you do and the materials that you yes. go through? Yeah. Yeah, so basically I have like these three ministries going on and I'm dividing 30%, 30%, 30%, and then I have 10% from my family <laughs> of my time. Um, Kairos, 30%, then uh, OCC, Operation Christmas Child, and pastoring at the church, doing counseling. So Kairos, it's a missionary mobilizing class that has emphasis on, on doing mission works in different cultural contexts. So when missionary is going from Ukraine to other countries, well, God is doing amazing thing in Ukraine. Let me, do we have time? I, I can go back for a little bit. Once people start leaving, we're out of time. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know how close they are, so. When communism fell apart in the 90s, God started to bless Ukraine abundantly. Missionaries started to come, humanitarian aid started to come, clothes from Europe started to come, all Bibles, Bible schools started to come to Ukraine. We were really blessed abundantly, spiritually, and physically. Well, at some point, God started to tell us, to the churches, it's nice to be blessed, but you are blessed to be a blessing. You know, when God was speaking to Abraham, he said, I will bless you, and through you I will bless all the nations. So, you are blessed to be a blessing, so let's move outside of Ukraine. Well, that's a process. Not everyone wants to go outside of Ukraine. Every pastor, they want their church to grow. They don't want people to leave as mission, because you need to send the best people on the mission field. Um, so God started to teach our churches, and I went through Kairos in 2008, or 9, some, or 10 maybe even. Anyway, I went through Kairos. I really love this course. There is a group of teachers. I went through the instructor classes also, after I went through basic Kairos, and I just thought this is what people need. This is how will help even my church to become missionary-focused church. So with, uh, this is the class is designed that with a group of teachers, instructors, we are presenting the materials about God's heart for missions from the Bible, from the Genesis to Revelation, and how can what can we do today, even though you may not go on the mission field, but how can you find strangers or people from other countries in your hometown and become friends with them, learn about their culture, see how God is speaking to that culture through their culture, instead of trying to witness using your own culture to communicate the truth. So anyway, with a group of teachers, we, I'm part of the national team and we are meeting 
four times a year and planning where we are going to do teaching this year, who will go, which direction, where to go. There are uh, Bible schools that are inviting us. There are churches, there are different conferences or students. There are different places where we are going. And then we have a missionary conference where it's nice to see how youth is going on mission trips. We are trying to make sure that they are going through Kairos before. It really helps to go through cultural uh, crisis, I mean, to cross cultural differences and become multicultural missionary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's a good bit of information about these things on the web. So I think Kairos, uh, we, in fact, I think Anne sent me a link, so I'll see if maybe I can share that with, uh, with the church. And then you mentioned Joshua Project before. Uh, that's, a, that's another great uh, resource you could look up on the web just to learn about um, some of the places of priority for, for missions regarding unreached people groups and how to be involved in those and how to pray for them. Uh, speaking of prayer, we probably should wrap this up, so let's close with this. Uh, what kinds of things um, should we be praying for you guys over the next several days as you prepare to go back? Uh, what are some of the major things that will demand your attention once you get back? How can we best pray for you? We got Vitaly's passport in the mail already, so that's good. And um, Yeah, most things are already answered, and we have yes. praises. <laughs> we, uh, we are going need to buy a van. We have money in hand from our fundraiser to buy a van. And so we need the Lord just to show us his mind. And we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to do, but we're going to have to like go right, go right into making all those decisions when we get back. So that would be a big prayer request. Very good. Well, guys, thanks so much for taking this time with me. I hope this is profitable for, um, for the church. I know it was for me. Yeah, thank um, you. Thank you so much. Also on the back, there is our display and prayer cards. And there is a list of, um, if you don't, if you wish to receive uh, prayer letters, if you don't receive yet, please put your email there and we will make sure to send you. But have a minute to stay at the display, spend a little bit of the time. Thank you. I'll meet you out at the table and I'll ask the rest of the questions I didn't get to. Okay, good. All right, let's pray for these folks. Father, we do give you praise as we see the faithfulness and obedience of Anne and Vitaly in their lives and as we hear of their story and how you brought them to yourself, how you brought them together, how you are leading them and how they are leading others uh, to follow you and to serve you. Lord, we do pray for them that you would continue to grant them much fruitfulness in their work. We pray for their children, and we ask that you'll continue to uh, raise them up and grow them into godly men and women. We do thank you that you have provided Vitaly's citizenship. We thank you you've provided the necessary uh, paperwork, the necessary passports. Uh, we thank you for how you have um, made a way for them to be here at this time and to minister to us in this way. And we do... Um, in a bittersweet way, send them off and are glad for the work that they're doing in Ukraine. And we pray that as they adjust back, that it would be uh, continue to be smooth, that, it would, that you'd help Vitaly as he reassumes roles in his church with preaching and uh, with outreach and with training other missionaries. We pray for Anne as she 
uh, continues to have ministry opportunities um, for for various events and and uh, and within the family and just with as they make connections, Lord, we pray that that you'll uh, build many bridges ahead of them that they can have uh, and, and walk over for opportunities to introduce people to you. We pray that you'll give them wisdom as they shop for a van, that you'll bring one uh, that fits their needs exactly and that can be reliable for them for a long time to come. Lord, now as we uh, close this service, we, we dedicate this time, we dedicate our lives to you. We pray this is an act of worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I did want to mention one other thing, and that is uh, rather than go around with the plates and take an offering, there are going to be some guys at the doors in the back, and anything uh, not otherwise designated is going to uh, go to the Sokols and their ministry in Ukraine. So uh, you'll see those guys on your way. Thank you again. Thank you. Well, we wanted to do at least maybe one more song, two songs. Is that okay? Two songs? I saw two. I got three. Two. 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 Two.